2: everybody, I'm Pina Tillman, this is my guy Roman Harper, and this is the NFL Player Second Acts Podcast. We're in Phoenix, Arizona at the NFL annual meetings. We've got golf, we've got sunshine, we're trying to hit the ball straight, I'm terrible at golf. You got a like a, a
3: two-scratch, you're a two-scratch golfer, don't be lying to that people, don't be lying to me like <laughs> that, because I'm going to tell you to continue to follow us, because we won't lie to you on this podcast here. Give us a follow, hit like, follow, give us a review or a comment. Anywhere you listen to your podcast at, whether it's iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts, please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Come check us out. This is what we do. We bring you top-tier guests, former players that are now all in their second acts doing great things. And we got two good
2: ones today. We got two former players that are now head coaches. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson, and the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Frank Reich. Check it out. Today we got a special guest with us. This gentleman is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He previously played for the Packers. He won a Super Bowl when he played with the Packers and he won a Super Bowl when he was a head coach with the Philadelphia
3: Eagles. Welcome to the show, Doug Peterson. There it is. Appreciate the guys. Thanks. Oh, you know what? Let's just get the awkwardness out of the way. Coach with the Eagles could how what was it like to be in Philadelphia to win a championship, playing in Philadelphia under Sean. Well, Sean Payton and the Saints, we go to Philly, he was like, look, the game the game plan is to get the crowd to boo by halftime, cause it is so rough and the fans there are so special and they are so unique. They're what mean. did it mean? <laughs> Don't <laughs> they even are say unique, TV. they're mean. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they bring, help bring a championship to that just, city yeah, they're after different. so long. What was that like? It was, um it, it's
4: very special. I played in that city. I worked with Coach Reed on his staff in that city, and obviously uh-huh. I was a head coach in that city. And it's—you um, just said something right there when you were with the Saints, and, and Coach Payton said, "Hey, if we can jump up, and you yeah. know, the, the crowd's going to turn." Well, I took a Jacksonville Jaguar team in there in week four, week uh-huh. three or four this past year, and I said the exact same thing. <laughs> I said, "Guys, if we get up on this on this guy on these guys, the crowd is going to turn." And it was—we were up fourteen nothing, about to go in twenty-one nothing and the crowd was turning on them it was turning on them but but that's their that's their passion and, yeah. and for for us to win a championship that year um the way we won it with the guys that we won it with uh you know as you guys know it's a special it's a special bond we've right, all been right. in the locker room we all understand what that means and and uh you know we lost some guys that year mm-hmm. uh, but for the city of philadelphia to wait 52 years and that organization to win a championship yeah You know, Coach Reed took him to a Super Bowl, and I have a lot of respect for Coach Reed. Mm -hmm. They lost. He's been to like five or six NFC Championship games with the Eagles, you know, and and so for us that year, um, it's it's very special and, um, you know, hate to say it, but there's a lot of Eagle fans around this country that I run into all the time. I just couldn't get down with the grease on the, the poles. Then they like. Oh, well, they didn't want them to climb up them and to tear them down. <laughs> but they were
2: still climbing up the poles. They were still <laughs> climbing up that poles like, and trees and they just and, uh, y'all. Everything. Well, yeah, they just different. They yeah, got that a, a little jail cell in,
4: in the – they had like a yeah. Jug, there's like, a little holding room in there in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's just Philly's Philly, man. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I think that's I think that's what makes Philly so unique and, and a lot of respect for those fans yes. and, and I tell you, they're they're passionate but they're loyal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. Can, I hate to say it, we could be four and ten, and they're still going to show out. They're still going to pack that you know that stadium, and and you know they're going to hang with you all season long.
2: So, how would you compare Eagles fans to Packer fans? You now Packer fans are like, oh, you know that that real deep Wisconsin, all oh, you know. They got oh, yeah. that that real <laughs> You've thick. Been there Oh, I've been there a, f- <laughs> a few times. I feel like they're like the nicest fans, though. Like I, I, they are I extremely nice and loyal in the cold and they get so much snow they okay, don't throw okay. snowballs at on you now. hold on hold on
4: <laughs> Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers yeah they've had two quarterbacks for like 50 years now yeah, some crazy <laughs> thing Very True. you know what I'm saying so yeah they've had it well they've had it good they've mm-hmm. been to they've had a lot of success they've been to a lot of playoff games mm-hmm. a couple Super Bowls so it's a different crowd but you're right they it's a it's a um um you know, in, this, in the in in the winter you're going to see nothing but blaze orange. Yeah. You know, because they just got got out of the the hunting woods the hunt, or whatever, yeah. and, and they they came to a game at, at 12 noon. Um, but again, they're 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 very loyal. They're very supportive. They're passionate about the Packers. Uh, I loved playing there for the eight years that I did. Um, and again, there's a lot of Packer fans around this country, and I still run into a lot of them. Yeah. Um, they travel well.
2: They do. They, they do travel well. well. So yeah. when you so when you were in Green Bay, um, I was backing our Brett Favre. Like, what what was that experience like for you, and how did you make it last so long? Being his,
3: not just the back back up to him, but that quarterback room. What was yeah. that like? Because you had a lot of great coaches there too, <laughs> and all those, uh, the, those. I had Steve
4: crazy. Mariucci in '95 yeah. when I went there, and then and then it transitioned to to Marty Mordenweg, and then ultimately we had Andy Reid. Yeah, you know, Andy Reid was our position coach there. Um, and you know Daryl Bevel, who, yeah. who's still coaching, he's in Miami right now. Um, you know he was one of our position coaches at mm-hmm. the times. So we've had a lot of a lot of great coaches. You know, coaches Tom Rossley was the offensive coordinator at the time. You know, and and then you know in our room there was there was Brett, there was Jim McMahon, there was Matt Hasselbeck. I forgot Jim, yeah. We um, left the Bears. You know yeah. Matt Hasselbeck was in I there. Matt, yeah. You know we we've, we've had you know Henry Burris. Who, who, oh, my goodness, from Canada. From Can- Canada yeah. Hall of Fame. He won
2: a whatcha calling in Canada? He won a yeah. great, won you a great cup. You don't even know who Henry Burr's is. I did. Is. He won a great yes. cup. Yes. yes.
5: Oh, my <laughs> God. Played, played in Chicago yeah. for a couple years. He won years. a great cup, right? won a great cup. Yeah. Yeah,
4: won a great cup. So we've had we've had really, really good uh, quarterback rooms. Um, obviously, they were very lighthearted rooms. So yeah. There was football being taught, <laughs> but uh, we, we enjoyed each other and had had uh, had a great time.
3: So, Doug following up that question. So after you finish your career uh playing wise, when did you know you wanted to get in coaches? You just routed off seven different great head coaches that were all around you at your different times in Green Bay. Uh we didn't even talking about with Derek Ro- coach Rhodes was coaching defense too on the other- I
4: wasn't with him though. Oh, okay, okay. we missed. I okay. missed. I missed coach Rhodes. That's yeah. fine. But yeah. you
3: still had a, an influence of all kinds of coaches. So, yes. when did you know that you want to get in that profession? So, my
4: my last my last two years in Green Bay, um, I really started thinking. You know, I was the backup quarterback, and it really started getting me um, thinking about what I wanted to do after football, how I wanted to transition. I, I wanted to stay in football somehow, mm-hmm. some way, and so the wheels started turning. And it was not till that last year in two thousand four. That I really felt like coaching was going to be in my future. I just didn't know at what level whether right. it was going to be high school, college, pro. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with coaches, picking their mm-hmm. brains. You know, to see just I, I, as you guys know the grind of a season, the grind a of lot. a year. It's a lot. It's a and lot of what time. The, what these coaches yeah. go through. I'm like, do is I really, that want, really to, want to do? Do what? I really <laughs> want to do that? You know, maybe or, or if you college, you know, if you're a college coach, you're on the road recruiting, recruiting. You yeah, get two cell phones. You know, it's a recruiting phone and your personal is. I don't know if I want to do that, and so I settled on high school football. Uh, Mike Sherman, who was my head coach in Green Bay when I when I stepped away, um, gave me some great advice because he was a high school football coach, you know, uh, in in his time. And he said he said Doug, he said just you got to find a place where you enjoy teaching the game of football. Yeah, wherever you can go and just teach the game, figure out where that is for you, and then and then plug in. And so for me, it was it was high school. So I. As soon as I retired, I got into high school football down in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, nice. And, yeah. and I did that for four years. What school? school? Calvary, Calvary Academy. Okay. I was in there with Evangel Christian. I was who, just like, did you have to match up with them? Oh, yeah, Evangel I, was pretty yeah, good Yeah, They, they, the- they beat the brakes off us a couple <laughs> times. Um, but, yeah, I did high school coaching for four years. But in the, in my – Was that immediately after you right retired, after retired? Right after so yeah. no uh, off, I retired. So no time off. 2005, I had no time head off. Head coach or position? Head. Head coach. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I went right in as a head coach. Okay. Um, and did that for four years, but there was still something inside of me that there was more. Okay. Right? There was more. And having been in the league for a combined total of about 14 years mm-hmm. on and off, you know, when you're around the game you you want to get to that next level and mm-hmm. so uh andy reed had a had a quality control job mm-hmm. open and hired me in 2009 uh, to come back to philadelphia as a quality control guy so i jumped from high school back
3: into the nfl so did you have any other plans or career plans or goals aspirations i would say Outside of coaching when you were done. No. <laughs> this is a no, one- thing. it was example. like, man,
4: I'm, I'm going all, right yeah middle table. Chips are all in the middle of the table. <laughs> yeah. cash, the of the table. I was like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, you know, I'm a business major. I got a degree in business, but I was like, I don't think I really want to sit behind a desk or, or no. you know, I'm not the type that's going to go sell something. Yeah. You yeah. know, I I was a football guy. And, yeah. and so- um, I mean, you yeah, could sell I me
2: with in. being a head coach, though. Like, yeah, you could. I'm feeling it now. Like, you yeah. could. You could sell me with it. You <laughs> could sell me with that. I, I, I like your. I like your confidence. How was? What are those conversations like, though? When you, you know, you, typically it's the OCDC, and then you have a successful season or two, and then your name kind of gets floated around to becoming a head coach. Like, what are those conversations like? Is it just? Are you on the phone talking to other teams? Is it your? Um, your agent, like, hey, I got some news. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles want to possibly your your name's being That's tossed a good
3: around. and a good question because you asked Sean something very similar to this yesterday.
2: Yeah, like, how does how does that even like occur or how does it arise about you
3: so becoming for, yeah. a head coach? So for
4: me, for me, I was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City with uh, with Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. You know, because we when Andy got fired mm-hmm. in Philly in t- 2012 got hired in 2013 he brought me as as an offensive coordinator i I was just a quarterback coach in philly Mm -hmm. left to go be his oc and then you know we had we had early success in kansas city alex smith was our quarterback and we had early success for those first two three years well as you guys know in this in this business ocs and dcs when you have success their names start to pop Mm -hmm. up around the different circles for for head coaches and and so for me my agent you know had been been kind of talking to um you know some of these different circles the guys that you know the powers to be around the nfl and and um you know actually it was in 2014 my name had come up the first time and and i I told my agent i said i'm not ready i'm not ready to be head coach i need i need another year i'm just i'm just not there yet um so i played or coached the 2015 season and that's when that's when philadelphia and there was a lot of familiarity with going back to philadelphia for me uh it was a good transition good fit and um, got hired in twenty sixteen.
3: So in that that little time where you were like, I'm not ready. Did you start to prepare in another way? Did you start to say, Okay, I might need to think about you do. some other app. Av- you you need you do. to do that. You do. You
4: have to. You have to really transition your mind from, you know, you're, you're an offensive coordinator coaching one side of the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you got to think big picture. Now yeah. You got to think organizationally. Yeah. And not just the football side, but. You're also dealing with the business side, right? And business so for major. me, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was about okay, learning learning more of of the business side too, mm-hmm. and 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 you know. Um, but do you do
2: that as, like, so when you're the OC and you're under, like, I think Andy Reid, we can say he can be a Hall of Fame coach one day. Like, yeah. he's an, an amazing coach, but you're you're doing a job calling all the plays and and getting the offensive side. Of the ball or offensive uh, Players ready Do you get coached as the OC Are you actually like taking notes On how Coach Reed is Running the team how Coach Reed is running the Business how Coach Reed is Interacting with the team how Coach Reed Is doing everything with the GM and The pro personnel in college like did You start taking notes of like okay this is What he this is what he does okay he does This he does that
4: like are you still getting coached Yourself you know it's it's interesting Because the three years I was in Kansas City being the offensive coordinator, I got to spend a lot of time with Coach Reed because he's an offensive mind and, and all, and so we we did game plans together yeah, and the whole mm-hmm. thing. So those three years, he really started pouring into me what it was like to be a head coach. Okay. And so for three years, I was just like a sponge, just absorbing everything that he – all his knowledge and wisdom and, and everything because, you know, he he spent 14 seasons as a head coach in, in Philadelphia yeah. before he went to Kansas City. And right. so – this is the first time, sort of behind the scenes look for me of what a head coach looks like, and and so he, but he does that with <clears throat> with all of his guys. You look at the Sean McDermotts and the Ron Rivera's and mm-hmm. the guys that have you know Matt Nagy's and the, the Eric Bienemis of the world and, and those guys that are going to go on to have been head coaches Damn. and will be head coaches. How is that? You like, know,
2: you just name like six head coaches that that came <laughs> off of him. I, just, I guess I didn't realize
4: that. You know, but but that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. And, and he. He's more about coaching his coaches mm-hmm. than he is coaching the players. Yeah, you know, and um, and that's what he did for the three years. And I, it's, uh, you just got to be a sponge and take it all in.
3: So when your when your coaching career ended with the Eagles, all right, you you really took a you took a whole year off. I did. And um, how important was that for you to take a full year off to kind of decompress? I did that after my career uh, playing years. Peanut did not. I did not. So Foolish. What would you say was the reasoning behind that, and would you suggest it for others?
4: The reasoning for me, um, coming off of the 2020 seasons, right after the 2020 seasons, that's the pandemic season, it, yeah. was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was rough on all all clubs, mm-hmm. and it was obviously rough on us in Philadelphia. We, we didn't play well, quarterback issues, and, yeah. and things like that. And I was not in a good place. Mm. Mentally, physically, I just was not in a good place, and And, um, looking back on it, it was probably a a blessing to, to be released because I did take, I did, I needed, I needed time. I needed time, you know, for me, I needed to get away from the game. I needed to get away from, from football and just separate myself just a little bit and really kind of clear your head Mm -hmm. and really think about what, what life is going to look like either, either you're going to step away from the game and retire, or do I want to continue and, and coach and, and so. As the 21 season went, and I I did, you know, I had some issues with my brother and, and, um, you know, he passed away to pancreatic cancer that Mm -hmm. year. So I got to spend a lot of time with my brother. Yeah. I appreciate it and spend a lot of time with him and his wife. And so there were life things. We had a wedding. Our oldest son got married that year. So there's things in life that come up that Mm -hmm. sometimes, as you guys know, in football, you you miss, right? You You miss. Sometimes the job precedes family Mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, you don't, you don't like that. Right. So. This gave me a chance to really uh, dig into the family a little bit and be around family, and and um, also give me a perspective to how, if given an opportunity again, how to how to coach again and how to be a better coach and how to really influence players, right, and how to how to lead an organization, lead a team. Um, because I knew I, I it didn't take long; it took a couple months, but I, I knew I wanted to get back into coaching. It wasn't. I wasn't done. I was was young. I'm young. I'm in, you know, mid fifties, but I'm relatively young. Romans too. He's like mid fifty something. Same same
2: same hair. Y'all like mid
4: fifties. You know,
2: we got that gray It ain't ain't going going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere.
4: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that year was really good. So I you know, but you look at Frank Reich. Frank Reich got let go during the middle, yeah. middle of the season. And, and he got right back into it this year, which mm-hmm. for is different, right? Yeah. It's just, but for me, it was what I needed at the time to get back in. Um, because that window of opportunity closes so fast in this league that, uh, I didn't want that to pass by either. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I had opportunities to yeah. be a coordinator again in 21. I just, the teams were not going to get the best version of me. Right. Right. Cause I wasn't a, I wasn't a bad place. Uh, mentally and physically kudos for you for like realizing that
2: and kind of stepping away and thanks for sharing that i I, I think a lot of people need to do more of the you know what i just need take my time off take my 365 you got great advice who who told you to take your time off
3: your your gm my gm yeah mickey loomis told me mickey loomis said you know if you want to be involved with football in any shape form or fashion he said i would suggest you take take some time take a year off like You've been able, good, you played a long career, you made plenty of money, take some time, really decompress and then figure out, like self reflect and like really get away from the game and then say, you might start missing it again. Kind of like maybe what you did. Uh, Well, and and you start, you start, you start feeling better and you feel
4: like you can be a better version of yourself the next time around, right? Because of the experiences that you went through Yeah. Um, you know, leading up to that decision. And this is
3: that was your first break cuz you
4: stopped playing. <laughs> you went Guy right into the yeah. yeah. stop playing high school coaching, <laughs> NFL coaching. So, yeah. That was your first it, break. This was my first break in a long time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: good. Well, yeah, good you know. for both of y'all for doing I don't I don't think I ever took time off. I just kind of kept going. So, I'm I'm envious of both of y'all for for doing that. But, yeah, that's another another topic another day. Uh, so when you were in Philly, Uh, Jalen Hurts you guys drafted him and it probably wasn't received well around the league now I know you're not with we talked about these Philly fans booing so that's just natural reaction it is natural but it wasn't very well received in the beginning Mm -hmm. right I know you're no longer there but uh, he's gone out played well you know had a MVP MVP caliber season what was it about Jalen that drew you to like liking him and drafting him?
4: So I was there, obviously, when we drafted him in 2020, mm-hmm. um, and we're we're sitting there on day two of the draft uh, on Friday, and you know, um, Howie Roseman, um, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Lurie, myself, I can remember having a conversation saying, "Hey, if if, if Jalen is sitting there at our pick, we should pick him. We should take him." Mm-hmm. And I was like. Yeah. All of us were like, yes, yes. And it wasn't to, it wasn't to draft him to replace Carson Wentz at the yeah. time it, it, we you, in this league, you need two quarterbacks. You need, mm-hmm. you need a solid backup quarterback. And so we felt like that th- this was our, this was a great option. He's a tremendous athlete, good quarterback, smart kid. But before all of that, I've had a chance to talk to Brian Dable who coached him in Alabama. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. You know, I, I talked to a lot of people. And just watching his film and knowing his story, this guy, is, this guy is wired the right way. This guy is a football player. Yeah. And I just felt that if this kid gets an opportunity, wherever whether it's in Philly or maybe somewhere else down the road, this kid is going to shine. I just, I just felt that in my heart of hearts just – understanding who he is Mm -hmm. and so for the short you know one year that I was with him I saw that I saw his work ethic um, the way he prepared and he was he was the backup he was he started the season like the third quarterback and then he made him made his way to the second and then ultimately he played and started the last four games of the season that year but I I just knew that if this kid if this kid gets an opportunity he's he's going to do some really good special things and you know, we've seen it here now, not only last year, but this past season, uh, or I should say two seasons ago, and then this last year, um, just what, what he's capable of doing. And I and, uh, had a chance to see him back in February and just, uh, you know, just tell him how proud I
3: was of him and how he's, he's battled through Philly a lot of adversity. Philly fans owe and, you, yeah. you. Like, they, they owe you a ton well, for, I, drop, <laughs>
2: for bringing him in.
3: I think as, former player, as a former player, it really does mean the most when you have your former colleagues, your coaches, that you pass through times. and. They really still all keep up with you, and oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. they're, they're, and when they, you hear those words like, "Hey, I'm watching. I'm proud of you." We do take that for granted. So, well, we don't take it for granted, and it does mean a lot. And I'm sure you had that when you. We're a former player, and we yeah. run to other coaches, yeah. other and coaches and stuff like that. You yeah,
4: tell you, tell you those kinds of things. Yes, yeah, and, and it uh, means means a lot. It Chris does, Ballard it does. was my guy. Chris Ballard yeah.
2: drafted me, so oh, I could I could talk close. to Chris, and I could text Chris right now, and I tell everyone to this day, man, I came to Chicago because Chris Ballard he saw something in me, the heart of hearts, and was just like, no, nah, I'm telling you, get this kid from Louisiana Lafayette. I know no one knows at the school, <laughs> nobody knows where it's at. But draft this kid. He's. I know yeah. where it's at. I know where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the Louisiana Connects. So I appreciate it, though. No, <laughs> no doubt. So,
3: so Doug, um, in your current situation, we all have heard the stories about how toxic the situation was in Jacksonville before you arrived. And what could you say was the biggest thing um, and how important – sorry, not the biggest thing, but how important was it for you to change that culture? You know, the biggest thing
4: for me – and again, this was all part of twenty-one being out of football. Right, How right. was I going to be the better version right. of myself? And then when, when the Jacksonville thing started gaining a little more traction, and then that might be the, the landing spot for me, I had to kind of research the situation a little bit and see just kind of went on that what went on down there, and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it wasn't good. wasn't yeah. good. Um, the The players the players were really in a bad in a bad place, you know, yeah. mentally uh, coming out of that season and and for me for me it was about okay i'm the next head coach standing in front of these guys how are they going to trust me mm-hmm. because they they lost faith and trust yeah. in, the, in the in the head coach before so how are they going to trust me i'm just i'm a head coach figure right so i didn't even know if i was going to have players at the offseason program
5: right <laughs> voluntary everybody's program out.
4: Everybody everybody's out. out and they're like i ain't going <laughs> you know he, we we got we got drove into ground our practices were hard i mean this is the offseason i mean, yeah. I mean you know so I put together a message um to the guys that first day and and i actually did it over the course of a couple of weeks but we i talked a lot about communication i talked a lot about that i talked a lot about trust you know and in me trusting you you trusting me um i talked a lot about the people that we surround ourselves with right the 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 right people in our building outside of our building mm-hmm. and and so i just kept, kept formulating these ideas with the players and slowly over time i think I was able to gain their trust, right, and, and, and then, you know, we just kind of worked through, you know, because there were questions like, coach, how are these OTA practices going to go? I said, what do you mean? We're going to be out there an hour and 20 minutes. We're going to get our work done. We're going to be done. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's going to be easy. You know, we're going to meet, you're lift some weights, and you're going to go home. Six-hour yeah. day. Wow. You know, <laughs> you go get paid, whatever. Um, but, but I think too, I think they had respect for me because I, I sat in their chair, you know, as yeah. a former player. Mm-hmm. and and. I could relate to them, and and so there's a there's a lot of that that goes back and forth, um, that that really sort of impacted our football football team, really heading into training camp that year, and still really not knowing how we were going to do. Yeah. You know, I, I felt like we could be a, a 500 ball club that first year. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we exceeded probably everybody else's expectations but our own as you guys know you, you only you believe, believe in yourself and yeah. your team and you felt like you're a good football team and and we did some good things last year. So one of the things
2: we all have our welcome to the NFL moment, right? I know we all have them as players, but I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to ask you what was your welcome to the NFL moment as a head coach? Like what what was that moment for He's like, "Damn, so this is what it's like to be a head coach." Like I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't see that coming and it just like really like holy you know what it
4: it kind of yeah. shook me. What what was that moment? It was actually my first my first regular season game in Philadelphia in 2016 we played the Cleveland Browns at home at Lincoln Financial and my you know I coached the preseason games and it was like, oh, yeah, these are great preseason <laughs> games, but this is the regular season. Yeah. And and that ball teed up and it kicked off and I went, "Oh boy." In my mind I'm like <laughs> <laughs> okay this just got real because <laughs> now you're, you're 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 managing the game yeah i got a little red flag in my pocket that oh, i may have to throw, throw yeah you know i've got to, i've got to call timeouts and you know i've got a oh wait i gotta i gotta to flip to the defensive side and i gotta to listen to what coach schwartz is talking about you know and so it, it just it just became for me it just became kind of that aha like this is real this yeah. is now Okay, I kind of like it, but at the same time, you're, you're kind of paranoid a little bit. That's the first time I've heard a, a coach <laughs> say that. It's like, man, this has got real. I heard players say it all the time, but a that, coach uh, you the uh, first hey, one. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something. It gets real because <laughs> you're, you're, you know, and then at the end of the, we won the game. Um, and plus, we're playing a rookie quarterback, Carson Wentz, rookie first game. Yeah, rookie. he's a rookie. You know, so there's a lot of things kind of going against you a little bit in that in that first uh, that first deal. We ended up seven and nine that season, but. Um, you learn, yeah. right? You learn You learn from the good, the bad, the ugly, as we say. And um, each week we got a little bit better and, and uh, ended up winning a championship right.
3: in year two. Now pick one real quick because I got to know this. I know they want us to hurry up. I know we've got a couple minutes. But who are you rooting for in this past Super Bowl? The Eagles or the Chiefs? I plead the fifth. Okay, all right. I'll accept that answer. I will accept that answer. It was very close, but I had to know. Uh, yeah. I had to know. That's, a, right. good I I That's to a good one. That's a good one. It's all good. Read, read between the lines. Here we go. All right. Here's a good one to duck. Who is on your personal Mount Rushmore of influence? Not just football, but in life for you. Well, his, or, you got four. I get
4: four. Because some people might not know how many on Mount Rushmore.
3: I so. get it. I did. I
0: understand.
4: Just, but one of them, one of them is... My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's okay. number one. Good. Love okay, Love it. he's number one. Um, number two, I would definitely have to put Andy Reid okay. up there. Um, the impact he had not only as my playing career, but but as my coaching career, professional career. Sure. Um, Andy, Andy would be one of those. Uh, my dad. My dad's on that list. Okay. My dad passed away. He never got to see me coach a head football. Uh, mm. As a head coach, he never got to see me coach mm. a game. He passed away, actually, the last – preseason weekend mm. right before the first regular right before that Cleveland Browns game yeah right before the kickoff so he passed away that week before so he never got to see me uh, head coach so but he's on there the impact he had uh in my life as a you know he coached me coached me hard mm-hmm. probably shaped a lot of my uh, beliefs and, and the way the way I am mm-hmm. um um today and then the fourth one um the fourth one for me I could name. I, there's a lot of guys that that have imp, influenced or shaped shaped my career. I'll tell you this. Mike Holmgren was another head coach yeah. I had in Green Bay. Yeah, he pulled me aside. I was I was playing. He pulled me aside during during training camp, and um, we were actually passing each other in the building. And he he told me he says he said Doug, you're you're a good quarterback, but you can be so much better. He says you need to you need to really focus on taking your game to another. To another level you know the offense you know what to do you can manage the whole thing but it's now yeah. it's kind of like just cut it loose yeah right don't hold back just go cut it loose take it to another to another notch and and that really challenged me from a player's perspective but it also has challenged me now a little bit you know because back in 17 we were you know, I was thinking about, you know, do all these fourth down decisions and two-point conversion decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like taking your team to another level. It's like cutting the guys loose. Don't hold the guys back. Huh. Um, and, and so for me, those would be the four guys I would put up there um, that, have really a shaped and, yeah. that really shaped and, and <laughs> yeah. influenced, uh, you know, my career.
2: Now, was that uh, is that baby Jesus, or is that the old Jesus? Is it 32-year-old 30, 30, Jesus, or is it the baby Jesus? Tell it good nights if those don't Tell it good night. To it it. It's it's a I caught on that one. I had to ask. <laughs> this
4: is a full-grown Jesus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, my last question, though, is um, we retire every year, and you, when you were retiring, you were trying to figure out what should I do next. What would your advice be on a player that is retiring after this season? going into
4: retirement, what, what would your advice be to him? Wow. Um, first of all, if, if, if somebody, if somebody is either if they're contemplating retirement or Mm -hmm. thinking about retirement, um, just, just make sure that it's, it's, it's the right decision because, you know, I feel like that when, when, when guys get in that, in that situation, one, there's probably something waiting for them, right? Post, Mm -hmm. post, you know, career, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Whether it's still in the business or, or somewhere else, uh, you know, so that, that usually pulls guys, guys in a different, in different directions um, that way. But, you know, the advice is just to enjoy, reconnect with your families, right? Reconnect with your, your friends, reconnect some of the relationships that sometimes football, can, can tug on uh, just a little bit. I, you think about our, our spouses, I mean, they, you know, they're the ones that probably sacrifice the most in Mm -hmm. this, in this, especially on the coaching side, you know, because the time away and they're the ones that are, um, you know, running the kids to schools and grocery shopping and keeping the house together and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so reconnecting, reconnecting right there, but just enjoy it, enjoy, enjoy the memories, enjoy your teammates. Um, as you, head into retirement look back on your career you know enjoy those moments that um the bonds that you had in the locker room i think those are the ones you carry for a lifetime right right those those friendships whether it's you've been on uh, you know multiple teams or one team um but but just enjoy it enjoy life um sit back and you know um just think about the next chapter and the direction you want to go cool
3: does That's, that's a wrap Appreciate it, man. Thanks Thanks, so much for joining us, man. really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate
4: it. Thank you.
2: How can you not root for the Jacksonville Jaguars after listening to Doug or Coach Peterson? Um, I'm really excited. I didn't really know a ton about them. But I'm really rooting for him now, moving forward in in, in the decisions and where this organization is going. Like, I'm I'm really excited about where they're going and what he's doing.
3: I think you should be, Doug. He really showed himself. He was very natural, very candid with us, and really opened up about his own experiences as being a head coach and also a former player.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring –
2: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
5: This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today.
3: This next coach you are going to be listening to, Frank Wright. Really excited about everything he's doing for the Carolina Panthers and going forward. Let's listen in on his experiences and what brought him to this place and where he's leading this organization. Our next guest and I'm get to do the honors of introducing this man, this young man right here. He's currently the head coach for the Carolina Panthers. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, winning a ring with the Colts and the Eagles. He also played quarterback in the NFL for 13 years. Mr. Frank, well, coach, head coach, Frank Wright. Now, <laughs> I like it. Clap. no, 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 no nice. but I wasn't all the way done here because I want to talk about the press conference when you got introduced to the Carolina as the Carolina Panthers' latest head coach. I thought your family, you were good, but the family overall <laughs> was excellent. Love it. You guys had the Carolina Blues nailed down. The lighting was excellent. Your speech was great. They showed the highlight tape of, you throwing the first, first t- touchdown pass yeah. in yeah, about, Carolina Panthers that? history. Yeah. It was to Pete Meslars, the tight end, as a matter of fact, they had white jerseys on. He had Pete Meslars there. He had a whole bunch of his former teammates there. The Carolina Panthers really went all out. David Tepper, everybody, Mrs. Wright, the daughter, everybody looked great that day. It was beautiful, I must say. I was amazed, I was wild, and now I'm in the presence of greatness, so thank you for <laughs> being
1: here. Hey, I love loved that intro, and yeah, <laughs> the, it was a great day. Um, and when you have three daughters, you know, you got to get the fashion right, right? They, right? It was you on go, point. How old,
2: are, how old are your daughters?
1: Uh, the daughters—they're all married, so they're thirty-three, 33, 31, and uh, twenty-seven. Yeah. So. yeah, the
3: husbands look good too. Everybody yeah. was in to, the yeah. colors.
1: Grandkids, yeah. you know, the whole bit. That's well, cool, The grandkids though. were kind of not in the shot, in the spotlight, <laughs> but we had a, a great wild. day.
3: That's that's pretty cool. So, okay, here we go. So let's just get the the awkwardness out the way. So I didn't even know this until I read a little bio earlier. Was that? You were the quarterback's coach in the Indian, with the Indianapolis Colts in Super Bowl forty four, where your team was fourteen and two in the regular season and you eventually lost to the Super Bowl to a yeah. thirteen and three New Orleans Saints team. Yeah. How was that possible? You guys are favored by most of the experts all week long. What what went wrong that day?
1: I love the fact that you're just hit me right in the face with this to start. <laughs> that's the way to go. I mean that's the way to bring it strong. Um you know, we did. We had we had a lead, I believe, at halftime, and they came out of that the, the that fake onside, you know, surprise onside kick, you know, uh, called by uh, Coach Payton. Start the second half, really turned the tide. You know, mm-hmm. really turned the tide. But um, we were. I was just talking about that with a couple guys last night. That that game, but a couple of the Eagles guys about the difficulty of losing the Super Bowl. It's rough. <laughs> you know, it's a rough feeling. It's a bad game to lose.
2: Yeah, I've I've lost two. Um, flipping it. I'll give you, this is a layup, though. Like, how was it, you know, your first coaching gig, 2006, 2007, you were one of the, I think, quarterbacks or quality I was just an intern.
1: I had in- kind of been an off-season intern. Was at, not actually there during the season, but had been there in the off-season. So the real first experience of it on field, as far as the victory, was in Philadelphia in 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do that internship when they won it in uh, in seven. Um, but the true experience was in, in 17 with the Eagles.
2: Yeah, because you were on staff, not on staff with the Bears, Colts, and I was on the field with the Bears at the time. And uh, to to answer the question and follow up with it, yeah, it sucks. I still haven't <laughs> yeah. gotten over my two Super Bowl losses. I'm like 0-2 oh, with Peyton Manning. I don't yeah. even like Peyton Manning <laughs> because he's just, like, destroyed us in, in Super Bowls, man. I just, uh Why did you bring that up? And he he never lets me live that down. No, because you, I, I you won got
3: my one. And, you know, the onside kick, like you talked about, we had practiced that so many times, and I was supposed to recover it. But your guys, uh, I'm not going to bring his name up, but kind of touched it, and then yeah. it went – it, it, it kind of went awry. Yeah. But that's why you onside kick it to the same sideline because we knew if, if anything goes – Wrong, we wanted to be on our sidelines so we could get the refs and be arguing like it was us. And that was back in the day when you couldn't pull guys out of the pile. Was that
1: one of those one where just the the kickoff team knew it was coming? Did you guys tell anybody else? Or did, like, did everyone know it was a pregame? Like, I never even heard the backstory. <laughs> okay, all right, right, here we go. So we get into halftime. You know it's an extended period sure. At um
3: in halftime. Sean comes over to the defense because most of the defense is on the kickoff team. He said, I'm running a su- surprise onside. And we're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just yeah. like, all right, And we thought he would change by the time we actually went out there. And he was like, I'm still calling it. Like, it's still up. We're running ambush. And we were like, all right, let's go. So, my, I don't think I even got nervous because I'd recovered it so many times and practiced it. And then when the play went awry, like, we had never practiced that. We didn't know what was going to happen if it unbelievable, if it went wrong. And it went wrong. And we just happened to fall on it. So uh, it kind of went crazy. But yes, that is a whole backstory. Sean came in the beginning. He said he was going to do it at halftime. As soon as we went in there, he was so confident with it. And we were like, all right, let's do it. And uh, we knew we needed to do something because we literally had not stopped the Colts all day. You guys.
1: Yeah, I also think in that game, if you remember, uh, you know, we got a little... You know, at the end of the first half, if I remember correctly, we we, we got a little conservative. You did. In, in, you
3: went with the fullback dive. You should have yeah. just stayed pedal on the metal because yeah, you could've. hadn't
1: slowed you down at all. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I still, we still regret that one a little bit. But. <laughs> those are the only things that really changed that whole game. That's awesome.
3: Um, all right. Well, here we go. Let's go to currently. So what drew you to Carolina besides your former, you know, playing there, all those other things? What really drew you? to this opportunity because I know when David Tepper talked about it he mentioned you know the other candidates and he said look when Frank Wright came in he had it nailed down of a a future plan yeah his his vision was something that everybody could just get behind immediately
1: yeah and really what I felt when I walked into that room in the interview was mm-hmm. like, I felt like we were working. <clears throat> like I, There was an instant connection, mm-hmm, you know, with the Teppers, with with Dave and Nicole Tepper, with Scott Fitter, you know, the GM, um, with the whole crew that was there. And, you know, it just felt like a conversation. It didn't feel like an interview. And uh, that in both the first interview and the second interview. So um, obviously I'd played there, lived there for 13 years. So I already felt like home. My children mm-hmm. are living in North Carolina. Um, but the commitment and just hearing, you know, Mr. Tepper talk about, okay, you know, he and Nicole had been owners now for a number of years, but the, hey, they're ready to put the pedal to the metal. Let's go. Um, the commitment from them, that's a big deal.
3: Yeah, it is. And so this is your second opportunity as a head coach. Yeah. And maybe you could give us a little bit insight of some things that you learned from your first experience
1: that you will be different. And how and how would you treat this from different overall as well? Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, how I don't want to say it's it, – it's easy, it's not yeah. easy, but like when you first become a head coach the first time, it's, it is a little bit like drinking you know water from a fire hose, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, it can be overwhelming. There's so much stuff going on. Uh, this time around, it just felt like, okay, let's go. I, Seasoned I, vet. I, I know what we're doing. This yeah. is version 2.0. You know, right. you, you get to uh, debug things, right? It's yeah. like an app, you know, you get version two. Um, it's updated, it's improved. You, you, you got out the bad program, you know, for me, You know, that that was just a question of understanding the chemistry of the staff, you know, understanding, you know, the team we're trying to build. And that's what we were able to go in and paint that vision for Mr. Tepper.
2: So what's what's been the toughest thing being a head coach? Like, say your your first time, like I was we just asked (laughs) Doug that, you know, everyone has that welcome to the NFL moment as a player. What was your welcome to the NFL moment as a coach, as a head coach?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's. You know you're no longer just calling the plays you know you're over every aspect of the of the football operations so that's both the you know welcome to the excuse me welcome to the nfl but honestly for me that was like what i wanted like that was like i couldn't wait for that i felt like i was made for that so um you know, to, to learn to go in to dive in with the defense, you know, get to know the defensive players, get, to, mm-hmm. you know, get in defensive meetings with the coaches, you know, understand. I'm not trying to micromanage what the defense right, is right. doing, but you really got to put your hand and touch on every part of the team.
3: Yeah. Doug talked about that. He said, like, you know, he remembered like, oh, man, I'm not just calling him offense play. I got to switch over to the defense. Right. Just like listen in. And um, it really is different. Was was your main goal always to be a head coach or like when did that decision come in the factor like, you know what, I'm going to coach, I want to be a head coach. Well, naturally, you want to be probably the best, which is the head coach, you want to be the lead guy, especially playing a quarterback. When did that happen for you?
1: Like when I was like six, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, okay. I came from a family of coaches, you know, uh, Okay, um, yeah. so no, I wanted to be a player first, you know, like all of us, right? We wanted mm-hmm. to play. But um when I was in 1985, my rookie season, um, Bill Polian came up to me after the season was over who was the general manager at the time he said you're going to play a long time as a as a player and then when you finish you're going to be a head coach in this, you're going to be a head coach in this league that was in 1985 after my rookie season so you know having a guy like that come up to you yeah. um i come from a family of coaches my dad was a head co- high school coach my mom was a coach would like, your mom coach she, yeah she coached everything she <laughs> coached field hockey cheerleading awesome. uh, track and field I Okay. mean you know she was the the ultimate uh, high school teacher, I can yes. coach anything. <laughs> yeah. So my brother's a head coach. you know I, I just think I'm, I'm wired that way been yes, brought yeah. up that way. so um, but the thing is you guys know this, you know seeing it from the player side that you know as a coach, you, you don't want to be that guy who's coming in just trying to climb the ladder. So I never took it like that. I honestly right. didn't. I, I knew hey because I played 14 years so and then I took seven years where I was out of football. Before I got so I didn't get back into coaching until I was really in my mid 40s. So did I ever think I'd make it? I, I didn't know. I was just going to take it year by year, do the best I could, and hope that it worked out.
2: So when you got away from football, you said for seven years, right? Yeah. What What were you doing in, in that time? Uh, we often ask players. Doug said he 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 never took time off. He, he, he got, went straight. He went in. right into coaching. You took a year off. I Three didn't of take a year back. off. Yeah. I wish I would have took a year off. Like, what did you do and what made you just decide to stay away from the game?
1: Yeah. So uh, I had opportunities to go into coaching right away. But mm-hmm. I, uh, as we talked about earlier at the, at the onset of the program, of three young daughters. You know, I think when I finished, they were like nine, seven and and four. So uh, I knew once you get into coaching, man, it's 100 plus hours a week. And yeah. I was like, All right, I know I want to coach, but. I wanna help raise my children first, Mm -hmm. you know? So I wanted to help them with homework, go to swim meets, you know, all that stuff. So I said, I'm gonna take a couple years, really invest into my family, my children. Um, You know, my wife and I could do some things together Mm -hmm. because once you get into coaching things, it's a commitment. And then we also, you know, I also, you know, I went into full-time ministry. And so I was able to kind of keep my own schedule. Um, did a lot of traveling and speaking. So that was the combination of things that I did for those few years.
2: So now that you are a head coach, um, every coach has their philosophy. Every coach has their saying of what they think the team should be. We obviously know in Carolina to keep pounding. I played in Carol- – we both played in Carolina for a year. Well, you played two. I played one. Um, what has been your philosophy or what is your philosophy like going into the season?
1: Yeah, no, the keep pounding thing is a way to – to talk about what we've always talked about um, for me, and that's that that keep pounding is a relentless pursuit for sustained excellence, mm-hmm. right? So we talked about that as an organization already with the Panthers, right? So we're, we're going to clearly define what keep pounding, and that's a relentless pursuit for sustained excellence. Um Yeah, we all want the goal. We all want the Super Bowl that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But th- th- we think the best way to get there is is to create that sustained excellence, like create a high floor so that when the opportunities present itself to reach for those championships, we're in striking distance. So you're with the Panthers now. You guys have made the trade of the offseason. Let's just go ahead and call it what it is. Y'all
0: been busy. Y'all
3: been been extremely busy. (laughs) Very busy. I like the moves you're making, though. I like it. I like it. With this opportunity to draft a a franchise quarterback, like all the pressure that comes with that, all the decision-making, all of the 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 thought process, the mindset, the so many hours, the manpower to create all these things, this opportunity. Make could you just give us a little bit of insight? I'm not telling us to give us the pick, even though I think I know. But what's that give, process been like what has the process been like? Give me more, more than all of anything. anything.
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, with Scott Fitter, the GM, Dan Morgan, assistant GM, the whole the whole crew, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Tepper, they've been great. So the, the process is you know dive in right Scott and his crew they, they already have the event they've been evaluating these quarterbacks for you know forever so mm-hmm. I just get here so I sit down I listen to the, where where are our scouts at Where's Scott at on his view of all these quarterbacks mm-hmm. as we as a coaching staff begin to dive in now hey let's get out and meet these guys let's you know, let's go to the pro days. Let's sit down, have dinner with them. We've let's, seen you. Yeah, <laughs> let's bring them into our building. You know, let's let's dig down deep and take every second, every hour, every day to finish and confirm what we believe from the very start of this process. And that's what we're doing. It's a lot of fun. These guys are all these guys are fun to hang out with.
2: So, yeah, that's I. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't well, and then, see and, then that and then
1: and then on top of that. Right. So you get that trade as as we're talking about and when you said about the moves, the big one was going to number one. But now this free agency thing, you know, Mr. Tepper just said, Okay, let's go. Let's surround this guy with some playmakers. Miles Sanders, right? DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, you know, Hayden Hurst. Right. Let's get some playmakers big, around. So him. is he
2: is, is so is the is the owner is is he like super involved in like, hey, I want this guy, I want that guy.
1: Is, no, he he's uh he's has his you know he's looking and hearing everything. Okay. He's you know he's obviously a brilliant guy and brilliant enough to know hey let Scott and I handle that. But he's involved in it. You know he wants oh, to sure. know. Yeah. Um, and in particular, I think he's involved in all the numbers and the cap and the contracts and how everything's set up. I think he has his hands on all that.
2: Nice. So you I, you know we were talking earlier about your uh, your your coaching staff. You got a, you got a lot of ex players. You got Josh. You got Deuce.
3: You got D'Angelo. Hold on, Josh McCown. Let's put a name on it. Oh. Not everybody just knows Josh. You're right. My bad. <laughs> I, I'm just, he yeah. played 18 years. He did, yeah. We should. We should. He yeah. had like 15 teams. He <laughs> was. <laughs> he, was I, he was
2: one of my teammates. See, I yeah. was with him. He was with me in Chicago. I was no. with his
3: brother Luke in New Orleans, so I, yeah. I know Josh very well.
1: Yes, but
2: sure. your, your coaching staff—it has a lot of former players in it. Yeah. Like, tell me what that process was like to hire those specific guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, Deuce is the first guy I called because you he know he was the first one on staff. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. You know, we were together in Philadelphia, and I just know. You know, I'm Mr. Evenkill. Listen, I'm not a yeller and screamer. Everybody. Knows that I'm kind of even keel, mm-hmm. keep you know poised, you know, their intensity and all that. But I need deuces, fire and brimstone, Deuce yep. brings the fire and <laughs> brimstone, you know. So, um, and then brilliant offensive, you know, he's a brilliant offensive mind, but really has helped me when we were in Philadelphia in the run game. His perspective on some of the stuffs in the run game is really good, and in the protection world, which you know, you have to be great at. Um, But overall, I just wanted a blend, right? I like the former player thing, obviously. I think there's advantages to being a former player, but I also think there's advantages to the coaches who have been coaching since they've been 20, you know what I mean? They bring a certain football acumen that a former player who played for – these guys have been coaching ball all those years that we were playing, you know what I mean? So there's a certain advantage to that. So get the blend of that, old, young, get the whole thing.
2: I just liked it when Deuce, he yells so much. Like, he, he going to yell and give you everything it got well, to him. Yeah, he well, it
1: was funny because when you saw NFL
3: Hard Knocks, it really put, a, like, a really shined the light on that whole Detroit staff. Yeah. And the staff were the stars. Yeah. And so we could talk about the players, but nobody cared – I the was players rooting are NFL. for the staff. We were rooted. everybody was rooting for that staff and Deuce really came out the box. I didn't realize how fiery he was yeah. until that whole it deal. Was,
2: him and Aaron, I was like, they was my two favorite people on the show.
3: It was really good, my <laughs> yeah. man, AG. Okay, Frank, so we, well, Coach Reich, sorry. No, you're good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's hard for me. It's, I'm from yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, It's, it's, it's so yeah. coach, even yeah. though
2: you're older and we're kind of, yeah, yeah I, I still say coach too.
3: All right, <laughs> um, they want me to ask you about your Mount Rushmore And I want to get to that, but I got to know this because you burst on my scene and I became a fan of yours when I was a young man, when you led the Buffalo Bills back with this big comeback in the playoffs. Like that is the greatest comeback. That is who Frank Wright was known for, for the longest time. And now you're the head coach. How has that been this transition of like, all right, this is what I'm known for. This backup that was the Macklin comeback forever. And now the head coach that's gonna go and lead this program and this organization to hopefully win in Super Bowls.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great uh I think it's a great background to step into this position, you know, mm-hmm. because I knew right, I was a part of that team, I was the backup quarterback. Right. You know, I was just the back I was a backup guy, right? Yeah. So, um, and I know that when you have a comeback like that, it ain't one guy, it's the whole team. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now as the head coach, that's really what I want to accentuate, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, listen, we know uh, we talk about the coaching staffs and how good our coaching staff is in the Detroit, but you guys know more than anything. This is a players game. It man. is it's a players game. I always tell the coaches, I mean, I always tell the coaches it's it's like 10 to 20% coaching and it's 80 or 90% players making plays. But we got to put those guys in the best position um and so, you know, I just think that background for me but you got to put all these guys together, coaches and players, and it's got to be a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's got to be all about the team, and I think I've witnessed that and experienced that with some of the teams I've been
3: with. All right, now your Mount Rushmore of influence on
1: your life—get you four. All right, who are those? Who are those four that are up there on that hill? Okay, well, you know, I obviously you know have to start. Uh, you know, with my mom and dad, I'm putting those together. I'm I'm cheating. Sorry, okay, all right. We okay. let you cheat uh, on here. We let can do what you want. You know, um, but you know, in particular, I'm assuming this is football related, um, and so it, those are your coaches. No, these it didn't have to be. football-related. It football doesn't have related. to be football it's,
2: related. related. It's just okay. what
1: made you you today. These four people
2: made me me. So Perfect. Okay, so it's, it's, it starts there, right? And group one and, okay. Um, one. Okay, and
1: I and I do think I I, I do think. Uh, the influence they had on me uh, that I'm a blend of the two of them Mm -hmm. as a coach man I just idolized my dad you know he was a stud man he was he was a stud player he was a stud coach um he was a winner and you know he was the he's a man's man He like played with no face mask broke his you know he's just a tough dude (laughs) like I don't I don't cuss very much or almost not at all but like I want to say when he was a tough man he was a tough dude he was a tough yes he was and This game is about toughness, right? So I just feel like that – he put that in my soul, right? He put that in my soul. Um, As far as coaches, the two coaches, uh, you know, it's got to be – the two other people would be uh, Marv Levy, right? So I played for Marv, you know, head coach. Um, You know, just an incredible person. Like he knew how to push every button. He was – Cerebral, but he was just connected with players. He was an older man, but yeah. yet he had a way to connect with he everybody. Had a ton on of team. great
3: highlight films, just the NFL films. It was yeah. just watching him talk. Just and, watching him. Just watching him talk and say things on yeah. the sidelines. Great highlights. I've make. had a chance to meet him twice. I've it's, never met yeah. him. I've,
2: yeah. I was like, man, that's marvelous. Well, that's and he's great.
1: from, I mean, I'm from Chicago. You know, it was in Chicago yeah. for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but him and then kind of his partner in crime, you know, Bill Polian, who was the yes. GM. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. You Know he was the guy that drafted me. He was the guy when we went to Carolina, when uh, when he went to Carolina as the GM. You know, he signed me as a free agent to be the first quarterback in Panthers history. I mean, just for a couple games until Kerry Collins would take over, since he was the p- fifth pick in the draft. You didn't even have to say that, we, but, you just, uh, we'll, we'll take that off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill. Everywhere I've been in my football career, Bill Polyon's stamp is on it, right? He's been mm-hmm. like a football father to me in many respects. So that's three. And then of course, who made me today is my wife. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife, we've been married 36 years. Um, you know, you go this journey of the NFL, it's a crazy journey, right? It is. There's high highs, there's low, lows. You gotta have a center. You know, you gotta be centered in on things. So, you know, our relationship has been a real foundation for mm-hmm. me of strength and peace.
2: That's awesome. That's
1: awesome. And not only that
3: the woman can dress. Like I'm telling you, (laughs) for those that didn't see it, go back out and watch the press conference. It was beautiful. The family was beautiful. Thank you. Um, uh, So here's my last question for you, Frank. What was your- Coach. Coach, Coach, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And Peanut kind of already talked about this as the head coach, but I want to know you're welcome to the NFL moment as a player as well. Like mine was my rookie year in training camp where I looked up one of the injured guys he had shades on his underneath his helmet while riding a b- bicycle. I was like, man, this is like this is the league. Like yeah. this guy's big time. I want you to tell me what it was like in the in the eighties. Like in the eighties. Okay, well. It, 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 when football was real. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like Okay. When football was real. And I'm gonna this is really you guys know this when you see the old film, but like when football was real, when we came into a halftime, we came in halftime of our very first game in the NFL. And uh I'm not going to mention any names because not that it matters, but I come in one of my teammates this is lit up a cigarette. More
0: cigarettes.
1: He's smoking yeah. a cigarette at halftime. And I'm like, okay. That's also awesome. Welcome to the NFL. Oh my goodness. You know? But one other quick one, if I could just you know, for me, the real first moment, like welcome to the NFL, um, my very first preseason game was against Chicago and Walter Payton, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm on the field warming up and there was Walter Payton. And this is a guy that I idolized. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe it. I yeah. was on the same field as Walter Payton. That was incredible. That's
2: that's
3: awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: we always have that, man. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Frank. Thanks. All right, exciting times ahead for Carolina Panthers, obviously with Frank Wright at the helm and really exciting news. Just, you know, now that they have the first overall right. pick, I think I know what they're going to pick at quarterback, but that's up to them.
2: What do you think, Peanut? I think they're going to do something good. We already know what they're
3: going to do. They're going to
2: pick a quarterback. So, let's 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 just lay it out for him to play it out. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Peanut Tillman. That's my guy Roman Harper. We appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.